Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Alami podcast, Change Your Company. My guest today is Jake Jacobs. And uh, Jake, you've been with us on the podcast uh, almost maybe around a year ago or so. Yes. And so, so welcome back to the episode, to the podcast and with a new episode. Thank you so much. I appreciate being here. Uh, Jake, I learned so much from you last time when we talked about change management and you've been doing this for decades now. You wrote many books about change, about how leaders could drive change for success, how they can leverage um, different factors to ensure that change doesn't take long time and doesn't fail, which is the rate of failures of, uh, of transformation efforts and change efforts is very high. So we talked about this and the feedback I've got from that conversation has been very positive. And um, so we, 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 I got your newsletter recently, which I recommend. And we're going to talk about at the end, maybe if you mention about your, your website so people could find resources there. But uh, you were talking about the future perfect. And I said, you know what, let's have a conversation about this. Yeah. Because I'm sure a lot of people will benefit from it. The power of setting visions and making them a reality and individually and collectively and for organizations, the power of having a clear vision, which is not only on paper or on walls, but also connecting to people's mind and hearts and, and, and making it and moving toward it every single day. So, uh, Jake, let's, uh, let's get started, but maybe I want to say to all the people who are, uh, watching us live on LinkedIn, feel free to interact with us, share comments or questions, and we'll do our best to interact with you as well. So, uh, Jake, tell us a little bit about this idea of Future Perfect. It's, it's very powerful in a way that when we look, when we go to the future and start thinking about who do we want to be, what do we want to accomplish, individually or collectively as an organization or as a team. Tell us about this. Yeah, so uh, Fouad, this is, this is something that I think is very powerful and it's based on a paradigm shift. And once you make the shift in your paradigm, the shift in your thinking, then it becomes very easy to use this technique in, in really any situation you find yourself in life, and we can cover some personal ones as well as professional ones. I discovered this back in 1985. So this dates me a little bit, but in 1985, there was a book that came out by a man named Stan Davis. And Stan Davis wrote a book that he titled Future Perfect. And in the book, he talks about the power of managing in the future perfect tense of the verb. Now, what he described, and I looked this up, my grammar had, uh, you know, left me a few years before in, uh, yeah. in school. Uh, but the future perfect tense of the verb is as if something had already happened. So a lot of times when we look at the future, the typical response is, to wait for it to occur. We wait for it to unfold before us. So tomorrow will happen later than today. 
And we separate and make a distinction of these. And you may be saying, well, of, of course we do. What, what's special about that? Why did he have this guy again on the on the uh, StreamYard podcast? So um, the difference is that when you think and act as if the future were now, it accelerates the pace of change. And a lot of problems with change efforts and organizations comes because it's too slow. I've had clients say to me that by the time they had implemented strategies that they had set across the whole organization, the strategies were no longer relevant. So the strategy may have been right, but a year or two later, it didn't fit the marketplace. It didn't fit their competition. It didn't fit new technology trends. And so they were unsuccessful, even though they made the changes that they had set out to make. So I developed a lever based on this book of Future Perfect called Think and Act as if the Future Were Now, one of the eight levers in my book, Leverage Change, Eight Ways to Achieve Faster, Easier, Better Results. And so what I discovered was that by thinking and acting as if the future were now, it does, in fact, accelerate the pace of change. So what does this look like? Well, I had an organization that was in Europe, and it was a retailer. And they were looking to establish footprints in countries ahead of their competition. They wanted to get stores set up in new countries. And when I worked with them and we applied this principle, this lever of think and act as if the future were now, we started with what you and I had just been talking about before we got online, which was vision. And vision, I believe, needs to be grounded in reality, but not restricted by it. And what I mean by that is that you have to first have an understanding of your environment and what's happening in it and the future and what may be coming down the pipe. Once you understand these things, then your vision can be embedded within reality. I think otherwise you sit down and you come up with your best ideas, but it doesn't account for other things that are happening in the world. So the first step is to get smart about reality. The second step then, which is one that I think people are most familiar with, is that you create this vision. And a vision is the future that you hope to live in when you get there. So in this company that was trying to establish a footprint, they wanted to get into eight countries they had imagined this would take about three to four years to establish operations in these countries. Well, I came in and I said to the CEO, would you mind accomplishing those results in one year instead of three or four years? Now, I don't have to tell you what the answer to that question was. Of course <laughs> he wanted to. Of course he yeah. wanted to. So what I said to them was, Let's understand the reality and then let's create a vision for everybody in the organization. 
not just how the business itself operates, but what's my job going to be like when we're in those eight countries? How am I going to be working with other teams in the organization if we were in that preferred future four years out? Right. And having them each get clear about this and collectively get clear about it, that's step two. Now, step three typically is that we develop some kind of action plan to get from where we are to where we want to be. Some people call this from point A to point B. Some people call this from the as is to the to be. But Mm -hmm. the assumption embedded in that is that the future is out there. Mm -hmm. We're not living in it. It's separate from us. So in leverage change with future perfect thinking, what you do is you look at that four-year vision and you say, if I were living in that future today, how would I be acting? Who would I be working with? What would I be saying? What would I be thinking about? What would be possible in four years that isn't possible in my present? So that's a third step. It's very different. And then the fourth step, which is also different, is that you start behaving in ways that are congruent with the future that you aspire to create. Once I have a picture of that future, any aspect of it, this is really important, any aspect of that future that you can live now, you get credit for. So you don't have to wait until the entire vision is possible and then you're living in it. What I'm talking about is any evidence. So in this relationship with this company in Europe, They had Mm -hmm. buyers and merchandisers. The buyers are the ones who buy the clothing and supplies from the original equipment manufacturer, whatever that might be. And the sellers or merchandisers are the ones that set it up in the store and have contact with the end user customer. These two had operated in a certain way for a very long time based on this four-year plan and putting pieces in place one by one, and then eventually getting to their preferred future. What I said to them was, we're going to try something different. How will the two of you be behaving with each other in that vision? And so we had a meeting for them to identify what the ideal relationship was, what their vision was, of an effective relationship in the future, and not just an effective relationship, but one that spanned across these eight countries that they wanted to put their footprint in. And they came up with different conversations. They came up with different ways of tracking merchandise. They came up with different ways for the customer's voice to be heard and to be passed into that system so that the buyers from these original manufacturers, the buyers understood what the needs of the customers were. So then I said to them, all right, now what aspects of this can you live today? 
And they said, well, there's some things that we could change right away. I mean, we could change how often we meet. Normally we meet annually. We could meet monthly. And he said, and tracking customer needs and preferences and the sales figures, we also do quarterly. We could do that monthly. And they mm-hmm. actually got to a point where they went bi-weekly with that because the cycle time got so much shorter. So they started to look at possibilities of things that they could do immediately. Mm-hmm. Think and act as if the future were now. As they started to change their behavior, change their process, change their systems so that they were congruent with this preferred future, they started to accelerate the pace that change happened. Because you start getting credit for those changes as soon as you make them. And if I make a change today, I'm gonna benefit from it tomorrow. If I make a change in four years, I'll benefit in four years plus a day. So this is a paradigm shift. This is about looking at the possibilities of what you can do and then immediately Start doing business that way. And if not immediately, then the very next day on whatever dimension it can. And I'm not here to argue to say, listen, your whole system, your whole operation, your whole organization is going to transform overnight. But what I am saying is that you'll create a virtuous cycle. And by a virtuous cycle, what I mean is that the more you do this, the easier it becomes. So the more... Start thinking and acting as the future were now, the easier it becomes, not only for you, but also for the rest of the organization. And this is another really important point, is that you can build momentum in the organization by having one person do this and make this move to live in the future perfect tense of the verb. Because what if I make that decision and I start experimenting right, with doing this business in new ways, you as my colleague will look at me and see me starting to behave in different Of course, ways. yeah. Yeah, of course. Right? Yeah. This, yeah. Go ahead. So, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think I want to kind of a, put it or apply this in individual context, right? So, we're talking about organization. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but what you're saying in a way that what this does is it starts to kind of change the culture of the organization and make, and of course, and then subsequently the, the, the tools and the processes and the systems, et cetera, the structure to be aligned with this future vision. Now, yes. it, 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 it starts to align them right now with this future vision. Yes. And, and of course, when people start to align even a little bit, there, there was this increments at, at some point, it will be massive. And that's how you get like a momentum in a way, which is key for change and for transformation, right? Yeah. And, and I think of what uh, resistance has what I call a friction coefficient to it. So if I'm trying to move into the future, If the friction coefficient is high in physics, it will create barriers and things will move slowly. But Mm -hmm. if your friction coefficient, you can get to zero or near zero, 
it's very smooth and much faster moving. So at an individual level, I had a leader who was having trouble with a direct report. It was a new member of their team. And not only was the leader having trouble with this individual, but the rest of the team was too. And there were conversations about maybe we made the wrong hire here with somebody in marketing. And they said, you know, it's not working out. Maybe we need to repost this job, bring somebody else in. So I heard about this and I went and I saw the CEO and I explained this lever of think and act as if the future were now. What I said to them was, if you were thinking and acting as if the future were now, what would your vision be? And he said, well, this person would be the most valuable player on my team. I would bring them in for strategic conversations. I would listen to them. The team would respect them. The team would seek out their input when they had difficult business challenges that they were facing. So we painted a very clear picture of what better would look like if this person were an MVP on the team. Now, the leader didn't believe this was possible. And this yeah. is another important point. Yeah. You don't have to believe that your vision will come true. You just need to start thinking and acting as if your future were now. So we called this marketing head into the office and we explained the lever. Now, when this person came in the office, I think they were afraid they were going to get the ax. That's why they were coming mm. into the office. They were going to get fired. Yeah. But the CEO and I explained we were going to do a different experiment and go a different direction. And in that direction, we were going to think and act as if the future were now. So the leader who said, listen, if I were serious about this, I would put this person on the team of the most important project in the business right now. Mm -hmm. So I said, put her on the team. And he was a little <laughs> hesitant. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Said, I was just going to fire this person. And now you're telling me to put him on the most important project we have for the business. And I said, yes, I am. So they put this person onto that team. And then I said, you also said that you would call her in when you were making strategic decisions to get her input. I said, I want you to start doing that for the next week as well. Mm. And we went through a list of ways that he would think about and act in ways that were congruent with this vision that he had painted for his marketing leader. Just him, not even his team. And what he found was when he listened to her, assuming she would have great insights, she sounded a lot smarter than she did when he was ready to fire her. Wow. Now, her thoughts and her ideas were no different. But the way he heard them when he changed his paradigm was he was able to extract the value from her thinking. On the team that she had joined, she had more confidence because the CEO was behind her and she participated more actively in that team in order to add value. And not surprisingly, she did. She had good ideas, good thoughts. 
she had experience in another company that she had worked in where she had uh, worked on a similar issue. And because of that, she was able to bring value to the table. When we got together in a week and I said to the CEO, how's your experiment going? And he was very excited. He said, you wouldn't believe, Jake, what's happened in this company <laughs> with this woman. And I sat back knowing how this lever works. And I said, tell me. And for the next 10 minutes, he talked to me about how useful and valuable this marketing leader was compared to how she'd behaved before. And interestingly, he talked about how much she had changed. And I said to him, I said, the most powerful way to change another person is to change yourself. So if you start thinking and acting as if the future were now, you will see that people will start to match that. There's a thing called neuro-linguistic programming where there's a concept called match and lead, which is that yeah, I can match your behavior. And then as I start to behave differently, you will come along for that ride with me. So there's a little bit of NLP embedded in this. And so he was telling me all the great things that she was doing. And I said, let's go now a month and see what happens. Well, in that month, the team started to change their perception of this marketing leader because they started to think and act as if the future were now. So as we got this to become the norm of the culture in the organization, what we found was it wasn't just the marketing leader and it wasn't just the team, but the entire organization started to make these changes that were needed faster, better, and easier than they ever imagined possible. And it came originally from a thought, from a belief, mm. from an assumption, from a worldview that said the future can happen faster. I can live that future today. And so for me, this lever works even in my personal life. I have what I call my partner in everything. She also goes by the name of Amy. So yeah. Amy has used this lever on me. And she yeah. said when we've been in the middle of a little bit of a disagreement, which couples get into, and she said, would you be acting this way with me right now if we were living in that preferred future? We sit down and we do preferred futures. We do goal setting for our relationship. How, how often do you do with that? Let me ask we, you this. How often we, do you do it? Yeah, we do an annual basis, a quarterly basis, and a monthly basis. So wow. we check out and we take a Sunday morning and we get a coffee and we sit down. And we talk about what our value, what what our what our vision is in different roles. So I have a role as a as a father, as a son, as a partner, as a business leader, all of these as a community member. And then I describe what my vision is for a year from now in that role. And then on a quarterly basis, we check it and make course corrections. And on a monthly basis, we celebrate successes as well. So as things start to move. But she says to me when we're having these disagreements, how did you say you wanted to engage with me a year from now? What did you want our relationship to look like? Mm. Pull out my piece of paper, 
I look at my piece <laughs> of paper and she says, so what aspect of that could you start living right here, right now in this conversation? And I say, right, I was going to ask more questions. And she said, then you should be asking more questions, shouldn't you? And I laugh and I say, yeah, let me put the piece of paper down. Let me slow down the conversation. Let me stop having to be right. Let me get a little more curious. And so as we have this conversation, it changes the dynamics of our relationship. And see, we know the kind of relationship we want. People and organizations know the future that they want. When they do good work on visioning, that's clear. The hard part is to make it happen. So this lever makes it much easier because it's about immediacy. It's not about next week, next month, next year. It's about how do I change my behavior in this moment? How do I change my behavior starting today and tomorrow? And as I make those changes, it gives permission to the rest of the organization to start making those changes too. That's a, that's a great example. And I think when, I, when I'm listening to you, I think about how, how it's different between founders of organizations and hired CEOs or leaders who move up in the organization. And one of the differences between the two is that founders usually they are crystal clear about the vision that they want to accomplish. And in a way, somehow they live it, at least internally. And would you agree that this is a difference sometime between like someone who found, who had, has this mission or purpose and a clear vision about a business and a leader who kind of get hired to manage a business and the difference between the two, even though maybe the founder maybe wouldn't have all the skills needed, but somehow he develops them on the way. What would you say about this difference? Yeah, I think I think actually, Fouad, I think it depends on the person. I think there are some leaders who innately are born with this live the future now. There are people who have this paradigm, few, but there are some. And for those leaders or founders, as you say, that have this, they're very impatient because they're the only ones in the organization thinking and acting as the future we're now. The more people that they can invite onto that train to move in that direction, the faster change will happen. I think one of the problems that founders often have is that they get frustrated that other people don't, quote, get it. They don't understand what that vision is. They don't seem to be living that vision. Things are moving too slowly. You know, nobody gets it. And one of the ways that helps people get it is to explain this lever and to say, look, we don't have to wait for the future to unfold before us. We can make it happen right now. And so for leaders, or for founders, as you said, they can make that happen right now because the vision lives in them. It is part of who they are. And mm -hmm. so it's easy for them to behave in ways that are congruent with it because it, it is them. They're the same. With new people coming into an organization, they may not have that vision as ingrained in their DNA 
is ingrained yeah. in themselves. And so their ba- daily behavior doesn't reflect that vision. And that's where I think what you're describing comes into play is it for a founder, it's very real. It's visceral. Yeah. They've yeah. been thinking about it, dreaming about it, scheming about how to make it happen for a long time. And so now the question is, how do we get the rest of the people on board with that? And I believe this lever helps make that happen. That's a great. So let's take a team leader as an example. And maybe some of our listeners, uh, they are leading some teams or a team. And let's apply this example, right? So future uh, perfect. We look at the future. We, we, set the, we set the vision. We discuss it together. Uh, we look at this vision and say, okay, so out of this vision, if we, wanna, if we are living this vision, what can we do today? Maybe not only what can we do, how we think, how we feel, and how we act on a daily basis. And, yep. and, and what, are, what are some of these which we can apply or implement starting today? Exactly. And you can do this. I've done this for, with, um, with a team and a brainstorm. You just brainstorm all the different things that you could be doing because it gives people permission to think outside the box. If I just come up to you and I say, well, how could you think and act as if the future were now? You're going to be constrained by your current paradigm. So what we want to do is open people's thinking. And another powerful way that you can do this is to invite stakeholders into the process so that you can say to a customer or a direct report and say, look, this is our vision. How does that sound to you? So you you engage them in crafting what that vision is, which helps as well. And once they understand what the vision is, then you say, well, how would I be behaving differently? What would I be thinking and doing if that vision were real? In my relationship with you, they'll have things to tell you. You can write those down. And, you know, you may not be able to do everything. This is not about getting it perfect the first time. This is about getting movement. This is about breaking the inertia in an organization around change. And when they're done telling you all the things that you can do that will make a difference, then you can make requests of them. You can say, well, would this be possible for you to do? Could we do a brainstorm as well about how you would be behaving differently and the ways in which I would be supporting you? And this support question is really important. I think a lot of time, is spent in organizations talking about accountability partners. And I think that that is half the story. The other part of the story is support. So accountability and support is what I call a polarity. And they need each other over time to be successful. If you over-focus on accountability, then you grind people into the ground. They don't have the support they need. You expect them to take on more. You give them more work. You don't give them any more resources. And they often come up short. And then you're frustrated about that. Support says, what is it that I can do that's going to help you achieve the goals that we've set? What do you need from me? So when you have this conversation with a direct report or a customer or another stakeholder, and you say, what would it look like for you to be living in this future? And what support would you be getting from me in order to make that real? 
you will add to your list of things that you can start doing immediately differently. And they will also have a list that they can start thinking and acting as if the future were now. That's a great uh, point about the polarities. And you are also an like, expert in this. And you, you talk about this a lot. And you work with organizational leaders uh, to implement this, which is mastering polarities. I think when we talk about people, of course, we want results. But in a lot of cases or in, more, in more, a lot of workplaces, there is so much focus on results without people. But of course, we want to have them two together. Right? We want to be strategic and tactical at the same time. And I, I think the point you made right now about accountability versus support is so important. And this is something, again, um, we we lose sight of, which is, you know, I, I want to make people accountable. But actually, one of the ways to make them even accountable is to offer them support so they can achieve what they want to achieve. And, and this is something that we can create. So, but I want to talk about how the vision is powerful in a way that when you have challenges on the way and obstacles, when, when, the, when the vision is very clear and when it's connected to people's hearts and minds, we, we somehow find a way to overcome this. Would you agree with this? Yeah, I think that that's true. And I think the problem is typically people believe that success looks like vision 2025. So what mm. they say in their minds is that in 2025, this is what success will look like. And if I said, wait a minute, let's have that success in 2023, then you need to have a paradigm shift about the work you're doing in order to cut two-thirds of the time off what your expected frame is. So it forces you to think differently. If I were going to make a change in five years, I would have a lot of uh, opportunities to do things. But if I say I'm going to make that same change in a year, I can't take those same actions and get there. I can't get there incrementally. I can't get there by step in front of step. I have to take a leap. I have to take a leap of faith. I have to take a leap of action. And in doing so, you will take a leap of results. Mm. So let's kind of a summarize about what kind of areas this could be applied. We talked about for an organization, we can apply this. For a department or a team, it could be applied. And as simple as we said, in a way that we look at reality, but we look at this preferred future, and then we work or we, we start to have this discussion about how we can start living it now. And But then you gave also an example about how you, how it's, how you applied it in your relationship. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you gave an example about how it could be applied for work relationships, right? And I think maybe maybe uh, let me kind of think about another example where you can apply it for just personal goals, right? So for, for me, for example, when I wanted to write a book, right? So uh, one of the things I did, I went out there and I announced like on LinkedIn, I said, uh, uh, and on social media, I said, I'm writing a book. And uh, in a way, again, I visualized what the book is and I started every day taking some steps in that direction and I started to feel what the energy of the book is 
and how it's helping leaders and just being in that space kind of things started to unfold and 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 this is i think for me it's like there's nothing more powerful than group of people especially group of people coming together and having an exciting vision and they are moving toward it and they are living it and i think here where you know the obstacles or the challenges even when they are faced they become they have meaning because we know why we are going through this uh, and some cases in, in a lot of workplaces people complain uh, or feel down or feel frustrated because the vision is not clear because maybe even there is no vision and that's why i think it's it's so powerful when we create this vision like in terms of not only performance and results but what kind of workplace we want to have what kind of team what kind of relationship we want to have at work how we want to people feel when they leave their the office and go back home and these are the questions that again having having a vision about them is is something which is so powerful yeah and i think that having that vision you know, Fouad, you could start getting on podcasts to talk about your book. Even though it's not written yet, right? You can start to think and act as if the future were now, which you could have your book launch at the idea of having a book. You don't have to wait for the book to be published. You can get out there and start talking about the book. And in your conversations about the book, you will learn things that you can put into the book. So you'll get more ideas, you'll get more motivation, you'll get more done in the writing by thinking and acting as if the future were now. It will become easier for you because you'll be talking about a book that you've already written, even though you're still working on it. And every day, if you're going to have a book written, you're going to need to dedicate time to it to make it real. So thinking about how you would react when the book is done and living as much of that as you can while you're writing the book will accelerate the pace. I promise you that. I want to I give, actually, remind me of an example. That something happened with me uh, when I was doing my MBA studies. So there was a management project, uh, which was like consultancy based, given like to one of the students uh, who were doing the MBAs at the end of their uh, the MBA program was for three months. I was in UK, so the program, the, the project was in London, uh, in the in the city uh, where basically all the financial organizations are based, and and basically they they said, okay, we want to interview the the people who want to apply for this project. We're going to award it to one person, and for me, I realized that this is like one of the what, the best management project that is coming for the whole MBA class. So what I did actually, instead of preparing myself for the interview, I looked at the management project and I made research and I said, okay, if they hire me, what are the answers that they want from me? So I prepared all that, all that. I did the, I did the research, I did the presentation and I went to the interview with the presentation in my pocket in a way. And yeah. then when they asked me, when they asked me, they asked me about my profile, my experience. And then at the end, they said like, what do you think about the project? I said, actually, let me show you the presentation I prepared about it. And in, in a way, when I start to show them the slides and the research I did and the potential answers to the question they had or the challenge, they were in a way blown away. 
So, and even though there were around like 10 people who applied for this project, guess who got it at the end? Yeah. Well, and in fact, I would say you were thinking and acting as if you were already a member of the team, right? You weren't waiting to get selected to be on the team. If you were a member of the team, you would bring that presentation. Of course you would. You deserved and they deserved to hear your presentation. And so I think that's a perfect example of it. So in some ways, people use this lever without knowing about it in different circumstances of their life. And, and as you found, there's benefit in it. So what I'm talking about in the book is making it explicit and making it widespread in an organization so that people like you who are smart, and uh, uh, forthright and uh, motivated. Yes, some people will get this intuitively and be able to do it. But for many people, this is a new paradigm. So I think that's a great example of how you use this lever and used it because it made sense to you. So some of this is things that people are already doing, but widespread application is what's missing. And that's what the book is meant to do. That's great. So, Jake, what kind of parting advice you would give leaders and whoever is listening to this about you know, how to make the most out of this principle or leverage? Yeah, so number one, embrace it. Adopt the assumption that this is a good thing. Think and act as if your future of using this lever is working really well for you. So that's number one. Number two, test it yourself. Don't take my word for it. Don't take your word for it. Test it. Find something about your future that you've been aspiring to create and make a list yourself and ask your stakeholders what you can be doing that's in line with it. And conduct your own experiment, large or small. Just remember, you don't have to have the whole vision figured out. Any aspect, any corner of the picture that you're painting counts. And then test it yourself and see what difference it makes. Because my experience has been it will make a profound difference much faster than you ever believed possible. And then as the subtitle of the book says, faster, easier, better results will be yours to achieve. This is a great, Jake. Jake, uh, I, I learned a lot from this conversation. And uh, I, it made me reflect on a lot of things that uh, I struggled with in the past and I failed maybe and other things where uh, I was able to succeed. Uh, but this principle, it works. It works in all the different areas and examples that we gave. And I think this will give inspiration and insights to a lot of people who will listen to this podcast, to this episode. So thank you so much thank for being with us today. Glad to have joined you. And to all our listeners, thank you so much for continuing supporting this podcast. Like always, stay inspired and, and make the biggest impact you could make, not only within your area of responsibility, but beyond it. Bye.